0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MESPA Principal Cast. I am Brett Domstrand, Principal at Lake Marion Elementary, and today we have the honor of welcoming Jessica Kabeen. Jessica is the principal at Ellis Middle School in Austin, Minnesota, but Jessica is an elementary principal at heart, at her core, and she led at Woodson Kindergarten Center as well, and she's had numerous other experiences that we'll be talking about, but I would like to welcome you to the podcast, Jessica.
1: Oh, thank you so much! It is. I've been listening ahead of time. It's an honor to be included in the ranks of the people you've interviewed thus far.
0: Well, uh, you you know that uh, you have a very special spot for so many of us in <laughs> Um Just to just to share with everyone, Jessica is the nationally distinguished principal from 2017. She is the author of multiple books, including Lead with Grace, uh, Hacking Early Learning, Balance Like a Pirate, and your newest book is Unconventional Leadership. So. Not only are you leading buildings and practicing, but you're also sharing your experiences and letting other people be able to tap into that. Whether it's listening to or seeing your tweets, listening to you here on a podcast, or being able to read your books, it's. Uh, I think that's the new way of leadership. That's really helping be the model for others. Can you talk a little bit about how you came into becoming an author while also trying to run a kindergarten center and now a middle school?
1: Oh, of course. So I mean, you know, certainly that. Um... I'm a recovering assistant middle school principal that got placed <laughs> in a building of 405-year-olds. And I learned quickly that I did not know how to lead well at the kindergarten center. And so after about three to four years of being there and and blogging a little bit, I got the nudge um, actually from Joe Sanfilippo of of putting a book proposal together because he said, you know, there's a, there's other people like you that came from a secondary realm now in the elementary, specifically that pre-K three leadership uh, Mm -hmm. is, is a little bit more delicate. And so that's kind of where from some blog posts, putting together 10 hacks to really start to look at how as school leaders, can we really look through the lens of early learning with research-based practices. So I think I just, I really enjoy reading and connecting with people and then putting those things into words and practices and then so that's kind of how that all kind of comes to play.
0: Well, and you, you walk the talk too, and that's, that's an important piece. Um, you know, in, in seeing whether it's when you were running, I mean, I remember I followed you watching you train for a marathon and then the people that you were connecting with in Twitter and now correct me if I'm wrong, did you actually meet Adam before you started training for the marathon or were you doing that kind of as a challenge or talk a little bit about how that all came to be.
1: Oh, absolutely so I I actually met Adam after I signed up to run a marathon with him. So we had been <laughs> connected for a few years with Voxer. should Von say Adam, Adam welcome. I'm yes, Adam welcome. Yes. So um <laughs> we had been connected on Voxer and social media, but we actually didn't physically meet each other till August. And then the next time we were physically present together was running a marathon together. So really, um, a unique way to, to build relationships with people, but that's kind of where that unconventional pieces is, is, you know, I definitely grew up without social media, really without technology. I went to high school with typewriters. So <laughs> moving into this realm of being connected with people without being physically present with them was I was really cautious at first. But now that I've been in it and been doing it and see such a great value of building a network of school leaders I learn from every day without seeing them face to face has really sold me on this looking at things um, differently and building a coalition that might not be in the same state or same region.
0: Well, and what's what's nice when you have that is when you do get the chance to meet face-to-face, you're not starting from scratch. You already have shared experiences that you can uh, be able to bring together.
1: Oh, of course. And I've seemed to notice every time I meet someone, including you, in real life, you're always taller and younger. That's really what the connection is on (laughs) social media. Wait, you didn't say better looking, too. And yes, (laughs) smarter, everything.
0: Uh, Jessica, I I have to just share a personal uh, aside for you, because when I first became a principal, you were one of the first people that um, you, Brad Gustafson, actually Mark French was one as well. Um, When I first became principal, you all welcomed me into... I, I don't think social media is the right word, but just into congratulations, you're a principal and we're here to support each other. And you didn't know me. You you knew a little bit about me from Twitter, but that's, I just have to say that you're, when you were willing to do that and, and just open yourself up to, to being connected with somebody who is new, it made an impact on how I interact with other new principals and the way I encourage them to um, be active. So, um, I'm just sharing that. It's not a question. It is just something that you did that had an impact on me. And I want to pay it forward and just say that was, um, it it made an impact on me and I've always um, appreciated you and all the work that you've done because it, it made an impact on me.
1: Oh, well, I, I mean, and you, you listed some really great people too. And I think that's that being that connected person is just really helping all of us. And I mean, I think even in lead with grace, I share like our, my first meetup was with like you and, brad at an ed camp in wisconsin
0: yeah and how
1: how geeked out i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna be spending time with these minnesota people and and we're all just people when we get to meet each other and and continuing those relationships how many years moving forward is just it's fantastic
0: right so um now to keep our connection going is i i've had the opportunity to learn from you when um, when mde and mespa were offering the pre-k-3 um, training. Um, you obviously were living and breathing that uh, extensively. Um, talk a little bit about how um, you envision, even though you're middle school now, I'm going to kind of pull back through your expertise mm-hmm. though, is how do you envision the state of Minnesota looking at four-year-old education in our pre-K programs and how does that tie into elementary leadership?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I really just think when we start to, to move into those younger years, continually plugging in and pouring into our preschool educators and leaders in the field. Uh, if, if the listeners have not met or heard Katie Smith yet, you have to come to her session uh, at the Winter Institute. She is a fantastic champion for early learning. Uh, she was the Minnesota Teacher of the Year a few years ago, and every time she speaks, I just i become more impassioned and more knowledgeable about the importance of a lot of things in early learning but for sure developmentally appropriate play practices i think mm-hmm. she is a champion for play and engaging play and play out in nature and she's really building this coalition that i think is going to lead not just minnesota but the united states forward in in finding ways to continue to engage empower and inspire our youngest learners and moving away from you know desks and rows and worksheets to hands-on tech-based um, sticks grass ground it's just it's amazing what we can be doing it's just really important to to listen in to the practitioners in the work because they're the ones who have been doing it and and know how to do it well mm-hmm.
0: and and you know that's that's forward thinking though because where we look at the four year olds, we're not trying to do more of traditional. What it is 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 getting them engaged, excited, and getting them exposed to ways of learning. Um, I think. I, I left that. I, I mean, because that was a year-long process that we were that we were doing all this training together, and it still to me. I continue to lobby about how we need to bring four-year-olds into our buildings because <laughs> we do a separate center in our district. But uh, it uh, it it had an impact. So now. This year, you've been leading at Ellis, and that's obviously a big shift. You went from an assistant principal in middle school, then to, to leading at Woodson, and now back to the middle school. What would you say are some of the major adjustments you had to make in your leadership?
1: Absolutely. And you know now we're, it's, it's been fun because now this is my second year back at Ellis, mm-hmm. but this cohort of seventh graders was my first class of kindergartners. So, think about that perspective. And I really haven't aged a day between those two time <laughs> frames. The kids have gotten older and I've gotten younger, but uh, I really have learned how to uh, manage my time better. I think when you move into that secondary realm, there are more managerial things you have to do, and you're leading at a larger school. And so, learning how to prioritize. Some of the paperwork, what has to the managing part of leading, but then still allowing time to be in classrooms, being with teachers, being in the hallways. So I was able to bring the relationship components of my leadership style forward, while still navigating, you know, um, department meetings, budgets, after-school activities. Really trying to to come back to this level and still have a life outside of it has been one of the bigger challenges.
0: You know, it's when you think about balance, like a pirate. So, I mean, family is very important, and and you you definitely you don't shy away from your two sons and involving them in your leadership without trying to embarrass them, but uh, but letting them be a participants in it and respecting that balance and and I, I used to love seeing your tweets where you would just be secretly snapping pictures of your son <laughs> the stealthies
1: yeah, the stealthies those are yeah mm-hmm. yeah the
0: stealthies that's it and, uh, and and I think about how you brought your other son up on stage with you and you brought him to Washington DC. I mean this the, the way that you um, include them talk about how you're um, being a principal, have, how you weave that part about being a mom and being a principal and how they, you, you seem to make that look seamless. How, how do you do that?
1: Oh, geez. Oh, it's epic failures all the time. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're podcasting now and my boys are at swim practice. So my luck, they'll run in here at Ellis while I'm, while I'm on this. But um, I think it's just being really open and asking questions and seeking feedback. I, it was more of a challenge for my eighth grade son who's now a freshman for me to be in his space because he and I had never been in the same building together and so really connecting and checking in with him throughout the year and just saying you know how's it going and and it's really developed a broader sense of empathy for both my boys because they also Mm -hmm. see the side of leading that nobody gets to see you know when we're doing the home visits when we're checking in on families over holiday breaks when we're bringing in, you know, gently used clothes. So kids have new things and nice things. That was really one of the the proudest moments is when my oldest son really reflected and said, you really go above and beyond and really care about kids, mom. And I'm really glad I go to school with you. And then I really felt like, okay, he, he gets it and he appreciates that time we put in to our students. And, and I have a super supportive spouse who, does a lot of pouring into kids in our community and also attends their events, whether it's here or at the high school. And they're almost more excited to see him when he comes in to visit me than me, because he's such a positive force. And I think too, just having those positive, you know, role, role models, including male role models in the community really still establishes um, visions for our kids that we don't always think are important. You know what I mean? Like, I think we have a, a larger group of students that, their, their home circumstances might look different than what we recognize. And so mm-hmm. showing them and being open and saying, yes, I have, a, I have more of a non-traditional family and they're part of my life here at school and outside. And the kids really just, they start to feel a part of something bigger too. And they're invested in their learning.
0: It's, that, it's almost that vulnerability of, of making sure that you're putting your personal life out there, not in a way of like, look at what I do, but it, it's so you know, part of who I am. And who we are that's a it's a it's a big thing you know you were talking a little bit about empathy and and one of the things in lead with grace that um it, it's an image that has stuck with me but um it's an important piece when you mentioned empathy just now is you use an example of the uh, oxygen mask in the airplane <laughs> and uh um, for when you care for others in your building and um uh, I don't want to I, I, obviously people can paint the picture, but can you talk a little bit about how you use that example of your self-care um, and how that relates to being a principal?
1: Yes, and, and I do think it's you know it's being very transparent with staff and and I've done a, a lot more digging into that secondary trauma lens for educators of just caring so much for our students that sometimes we get home and we don't have enough to care for ourselves or our own family. And so just really sharing with staff, too, like we've had instances even this year where things got big and messy and I was not my best self. I was spending way too much time here trying to pour into everybody else that I was looking pretty ragged. And so just saying, you know, yes, we had a season where we had a lot of things going on here and I need to pull back a little bit and take some time for myself. Modeling that is really important. So then staff do it as well. So it's, it's one of those things where you all have the teachers who come in just looking terribly sick because they don't want to do their sub plans. And we walk them out the building and put them in their car and send them home and say, we've got this. But yet when we don't do the same for ourselves, when we show up and we're ill, or we've got family emergencies at home and we're not prioritizing that, um, it's not really conveying the same message. So it's really important we model those boundaries for our staff so then they feel safe to, to do it themselves.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, um, I shared with you last week, um, everyone, we were going to do this, we were going to do this podcast last week, and both Jessica and I had um, some personal matters come up at the same time, and uh, um, I ended up taking Monday and Tuesday off from school this week, and I um, pulled my staff together last week and had to let them know that our our school resource dog um, had cancer in his elbow, and that we had made the decision rather quickly that we were going to be amputating his leg and, uh, and you know, I, that's not something you can put in an email and share with your staff. It it ends up becoming something that's very personal and, uh, and it was tear filled and, um, giving people the week to kinda come see him and say goodbye to him just in case things went wrong. And, um, and then I said, I'm taking, um, yesterday and, um, Monday and Tuesday off and it's fascinating how little email was sitting in my inbox. And how few people reached out to me and I sent an email to my staff saying, it's so odd to me that I'm actually just home looking at my computer, waiting for these emails to come and they didn't. And I got a couple of people reached out and just said, well, we don't want to bother you. You know, you give us space when we need it. And when we need to take the time, we want to make sure that we're giving you your, your space. And I, you know, that's the, that's that kind of vulnerability and, and trying to find the balance and hopefully we are modeling and doing that. And I'm sorry to give a personal example here, Jessica, but I just- uh,
1: No, it's um, exactly, and that's what I think we have to, as leaders and collaborators, and we just we need to be sharing the personal side of our principalship because otherwise, if you are connected and you only see the pretty Pinterest posts or the, you know, all put together, <laughs> if we don't share these other pieces with each other, um, we're all going to burn out because we're not, right. we're not all doing this perfectly, but I always say the exact moment you want to retreat is when you need to reach in. So when things aren't going well, you know, seek a friend, call, ask somebody what's going, ask somebody for feedback, tell them, because ironically, they've probably gone through something similar and they can support right. you. And then it's like, okay, so maybe I'm not the only one that's had this happen in their career. Maybe I'm not the only one that's tried to put something forward and it hasn't gone as well as I had hoped but then you're just like okay so other people are human too and you can move forward just knowing that versus keeping it all in yourself and and feeling like such a failure so it's that that grace and that vulnerability and and the more that we share it with our staff and share it with our colleagues the the more we're going to have a, a healthy safe culture for us to grow and thrive in
0: amen to that you know it's a. Uh... Um, you just principalship can be a lonely place. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. you don't want to be stuck on that Island too many times. And we all know sometimes that's going to happen where you're going to feel alone. And yet, and that's part of being the, at, at I mean, I don't want to say at the top, but you're in a position where there aren't other people who are doing your role inside your building most of the time. And, uh, But to be able to reach out and find find those people that you trust and that you can speak with. And, uh, you know, you say something actually lead with grace that uh, um, also stuck with me is uh, uh, I actually circled it and um, it's it don't ask people for advice if you already know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. and uh, and that is something that i think early earlier in my career i would ask people for advice when already in my head i knew what i wanted to do but i want to see, am i right am i doing the right thing it's like if if you know what you're going to do don't waste people's time on those kind of questions do it when you don't know what to do or you're seeking you're seeking advice to make sure that you don't have blind spots in a situation and um because grace goes both ways it's that being that being kind or making sure that you're getting the right input. But if you're doing the question because you're not fully confident, but you already know what you're going to do, don't don't waste other people's time. I think that's a, another interesting piece
1: to add to that, though, the the piece that's the hardest, especially for principals new to the position or somebody who's moved up in their own building is, do you want to be liked or do you want to lead?
0: Hmm. Oh, we got
1: Yep. In leadership, we have to, those are really tough decisions. And, and I remember even as an assistant principal, every decision I made, somebody wasn't happy with it. One stakeholder was upset with the decision that was made or how it was communicated or what the consequence was. But in the end, if, if at your core, you're here for kids to serve and support a community, then the decisions you're making are the right ones.
0: I think, uh, um, a principal colleague I used to know is uh, Dave Adney, um, who was the principal of Minnetonka High School, and he used to say, if if you made a decision and everyone was happy at that decision, then it was a decision that didn't need to be made. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah. um, it's it, it was something that was always uh, interesting to me. Now, you and I also have another connection, and that's with Katie Piquel. Yes. And, um, and I know how fondly... You you speak with her, uh, speak about her, and you've been at the Minnesota Principals Academy, speaking at the University of Minnesota. Talk a little bit about your experience um, with Katie, because the two of you, I, I think you can almost do a stand-up comedy routine. Or w- when I see the two of you, it's like you've never like it. What, whether you've seen each other a month ago or six months ago, the two of you step right in in line with each other. Talk a little bit about your relationship.
1: Oh my gosh! Well, and that's evolved over the last like. 13, 14 years. So we actually worked together as as colleagues um, when I was in special education. And then um, she and I, I worked as her assistant principal while we were here together at Ellis. And then um, she moved on and I moved down to kindergarten. And I think that's really when our relationship took off is when we went from, you know, colleagues to really Friends and collaborators together, and we definitely can have our discourse and conversations. And and I acknowledge her in unconventional leadership because the book actually came from uh, a drive we had back from Fergus Falls, Minnesota, from Principal Academy, where she was just getting into social media and Twitter. And she's such a research-based person. And I just said, mm-hmm. there's got to be a connection between these two worlds because there's there's good in both sides. And so after that long drive where we definitely, you know, had different perspectives on things, I really took a deep dive into a lot of the work with Dr. Karen seashore and Caring Leadership and found Mm -hmm. a lot of connections with some of the hashtags that principals are using, what educators are trying to do and what they're trying to celebrate on social media. And then that's really where the book came from is taking some research-based practices, but then linking it to social media, podcasts, in other leaders in the field that are doing the work. So mm-hmm. when people are con- like, oh, I don't know, I don't know how to get on Twitter. Or I don't know how to do this. It's a it's an entry point to use. And it's just, again, trying to bridge these worlds because we can be so much better together and collaborate and you don't have to be in that same physical space to have that happen.
0: Right, and it, it's funny and, and everyone, if you don't follow Katie Pekel, she's at Katie Piquel and, uh, and that's P-E-K-E-L. Um, but, uh, she is a great follow and the comments she makes, she, she doesn't take anything for granted. She can be humorous, but she also will ask where the research is mm-hmm. or how did that come to be? Because while she embraces the, the Twitter helps us feel good. She also says we, we have to have good solid practices that we know work. And it's, um, I, 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 love because you kind of help, um, a lot of what I see with you, Jessica, is that, um, you do promote wellness and well-being and happiness and sharing the joy and also the the tough times that we go through um, and watching that relationship you have with Katie, I'm like, oh, and now Katie is somebody who's um, a lot more straightforward. And here are the this is what the research says, and so we're not going to really diverge from this very much. And yet, when the two of you get together, you you can say, yes, the research does say this. But we also care about this, and we mm-hmm. also do have to do some of these things that maybe there isn't all the research behind it, but we know it f- makes others feel better. And so we have to do kind of both, and I think that goes to the balance that you're able to keep. Um, I had to acknowledge it because I got to watch you do it a lot, <laughs> and so it was, it was fun. Now, um, I, I mentioned this in the beginning of the podcast, um, you are a nationally distinguished principal. And for your for your presentation, whether it was dressing up as superwoman or talking about your family and the and really what that all has meant to you in your leadership. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like being a nationally distinguished principal?
1: Oh, it. Was an incredible experience. And and I. If if you're a principal in Minnesota and you're ever nominated or, you, you know, even take the, the leap to nominate somebody else just the process of filling out the application, I still have all those um, letters and the, and the narratives. And it just was, we don't always get a chance to, to take a look at the road that's led us to our certain particular spot in life, but being able to look back and say, oh my gosh, we have really done some incredible things in this school and oh, these are, I didn't even really reflect on this. Because sometimes we just keep moving forward And we Mm -hmm. move at such a fast pace that we don't stop to think about, okay, here's all the things we have done. Or we focus on the things that haven't gone well, and we forget to look at all the great things that were done. So that process of filling out the application and going through the interview was, oh, it was to be in a room with such highly regarded principals in the state of Minnesota and to be able to share things was highly intimidating at one point, but yet just an honor to be at, at that table and to be with the two other women that were nominated the year i was there and then obviously you know going to washington dc um my really good friend hamish happened to be the principal of the year in virginia and if you don't know hamish brewer i'm you can just google him and find him but right author of you know, relentless yes yeah. so it was fun because you know he and his wife got to connect with my husband and myself and It just, you know, and still being able to connect with some of the principals that year that are, you know, new positions are still in their state, and yeah, I just it was a once in a lifetime experience. But you know, any principal again listening in Minnesota, if you get the the nod, fill out the application, it's it's a really great reflected process.
0: Well, what's what you know, I I look at it um, in this way: is it's it's an honor to be nominated it's a pretty spectacular if, if you're the one who wins because only one person um, gets to go. And, and I left Institute after your speech. I mean, I came up and hugged you and I was just like, you know, you just put everything out there of what you are about. Family, um, calling out your relationships, leading from your heart, taking care of your kids, being vulnerable. I mean, you put it all out there and I'm like, and that's why you won. it it was, you just encapsulated it. And, and it it was something that left a mark on me as someone in the audience who got to watch your, your speech. And, um, I just have to say that you, you, uh, you did it in such a way that it, it, it inspired a lot of people. And my wife just turned over to me and just said, wow, that was amazing. I said, it was, it was great. And, and so Jessica, that's, that's how you come off. And, and that leads me into my next piece is, uh, you, um, uh, i have to say because you have a very uh you also have a great sense of humor and uh last year you participated in the whose keynote is it anyway Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh and that was with joe sanfilippo who you mentioned earlier and and so many other great um leaders who who gave their time to be part of that can you uh talk a little bit about what it's like to to whether it's to be a keynote speaker and, and speak in front of such large crowds or what it was like to be part of that experience where you're kind of going off the cuff and everyone's getting their chance to speak. Talk a little bit about how that all came to be.
1: Oh my goodness. So I I think just like writing and I just really enjoy connecting with other educators and I've been really blessed to have a platform to get to do it on on bigger stages. And yeah. so, but it's also being very vulnerable and I think one thing I'm super passionate about that's going to birdwalk a little bit is there are amazing female principals in Minnesota and the United States, and I don't see enough of them on these stages, I think, or I don't see enough of them writing the books. And, and for as much as I do great things, there are five to six other women I could name that do even better things. And so, if, if nothing else, I, I want to be able to put myself in a spot because I want to see other women doing it as well. Um, but I think, you know, to go back to just the, the being vulnerable and being in a big audience, it's almost like those staff meetings. Like I can talk to students all the time, but sometimes getting up in front of staff or colleagues can can make you a little bit more nervous or anxious. And so it's taking a risk and putting yourself out there and then learning from it. And I always walk away from, from speaking learning a better delivery learning how to share a story a little bit differently uh, and also obviously connecting with more people i love being able to talk to people after a session to find out what resonated with them what stories have helped them learn and grow or how i can continue to support people after after a conversation like that and in, in and to be on stage with jimmy and joe and brad oh my gosh it was Oh my gosh, Salome was there. Linda was there. I mean, right? it was in, yeah. I was in awe. I was like, "Holy cow! How did I end up on the stage with all these amazing people?" And just finding out that they're humans as well, and and talking to them about the work that they're doing and trying to continue to do in in their roles, it was it was uh, again, just I've been so lucky to have a couple once in a lifetime experiences, all kind of in the last few years.
0: My gosh, you know, so so you're talking about that now, um, this obviously, I, I didn't prepare anything for this question, but because you're talking about um, women in leadership and, and the lack of um, authors and keynote speakers, and, and not that I'm asking you to be a representative of all women, but um, in thinking about that, what in, in what ways could, could we empower more women to, to take the risk to write a book or to be... To step up into those larger stages like what got what got you into that role how i mean was it somebody inspiring you was it taking the risk or um, what strategies did you use that helped you get there Or could you think of that would be worth sharing
1: um i i think just inviting myself to the table i i always like to use the i like to say i i ask people to the prom because I never really did growing up. I don't think I really ever had a date to the prom in high school. So now I just Mm -hmm. do it a lot as an adult. And so I just keep inviting myself in and I'll ask people, hey, do you need a speaker for this? Or, hey, have you ever thought about this? And I think sometimes we're so nervous to ask the question or, uh, and I I read in uh, one women's leadership book, sometimes women wait until they're 150% sure about something before they Mm -hmm. do it. where, Where men tend to, I can do it at 40%. So it's, it's our own confidence and, in, in belief in ourselves that sometimes is the barrier. So just putting yourself out there and, and being able to move forward past a no, because eventually you're going to get a yes. And, and I'm really lucky to have a very, very supportive husband that has gone to my speaking events as well and sees the impact it has on educators and, My two boys love to travel with me and get to be a part of this. So I include them in it as well, because the other piece, too, is is as a a female principal. You know, it's if you go speak, it's not just about you. It's about how do you coordinate the meals at home and how do you make sure things are running smoothly at school and the different the roles and responsibilities we have. So I'm super fortunate to have a family that really supports me in this work as well.
0: Well, and this goes to balance like a pirate, everybody. Is, uh, is, uh, yep. um, you, you're just talking about how do you how do you be a mom, how do you be a family person, and how do you have a professional career and, and an exceptional professional career at that as well. Um, you, you're, you're really, you're laying it out very nicely. And, and we try to keep these to, to 30 minutes. So I, mm-hmm. I don't want to go um, too far over and I appreciate your time today, Jessica, but uh, you know, one of the last things is um, you were talking about, you're your doing a little bit more managing as a middle school principal and I can get that when you've got more students you've got more staff there's just a lot more uh, administrative tibia uh, that you have to do yes <laughs> uh, yes and that, that just kind of keeps things going but yeah you're also you're also one that uh, I, I took a quote from you is that you got to lead from your feet not from your seat mm-hmm. so um, as you've adjusted now in year two and you're kind of doing the middle school thing are you on a mobile cart? Are you? How are you trying to keep that balance of of getting out there into the classrooms, or at least being where people can see you more often? Or how has that changed um, as, well, as you've kind of learned your leadership?
1: And, and it's it's funny because today is obviously a no school day for students, but it's a work day for me, and I'm putting in some new systems. I, I recently read a book called Getting Things Done, and so learning how to set times aside to put my file folders together to really use the administrative assistant who's really the boss of the building better. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. having her schedule things for me, so I have structured time throughout the day to get out into classrooms and I have a backpack now. So my laptop, my notes, everything goes into that backpack, my radio. And so I can just be mobile in the lunchroom in the classrooms and just sit and be, and then some accountability measures, Beth Hoff, um, from Lead Like a Pirate, she has a map of her middle school. And so after she visited, she highlights the room. And so I have that posted behind my computer so I know which classrooms I've been in in the last month and which ones I need to get into. I've created a, um, I call it the Pineapple Principal Chart. So I ask Mm -hmm. teachers to invite me in um, if they need extra hands for a specific lesson or a certain cohort of kids. Then I get to go in and just be a part of the class. And I come in just with nothing but my willingness to learn, and the teacher walks away with a cute little Amazon gift card for doing it. So it's been mutually rewarding for both of us, but another yeah. just kind of finding those creative ways to to be in spaces. And obviously my favorite time of the day is is the hallway in the morning time is just half hour in the morning connecting with kids and seeing how their weekends were, seeing how their mornings were. Um, being able to have informal check-ins with kids if things hadn't gone well, or to welcome them back into the building if they've been gone for a while,
0: uh, mm-hmm. just
1: that that being present in the moment, but then also scheduling like a half hour to an hour in the morning and in the afternoon to do like the email, signing the bills and the budgets and things like that. So nice. work in progress. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's, I would say, and there's your system too, because you're actually laying out the tools that you yep. use to do it. So everyone, I hope you're taking notes because um, <laughs> that's, uh, that, that is the, uh, um, I, I knew you were going to have those nuggets in there. You know, I, I guess I, I'm going to take a few, few notes away here is, you know, um, you've learned to manage your time better. You're prioritizing. You're still focusing on your relationships. You're still using empathy. You're doing the things that create a positive culture in your building just from the way you're talking and now I would be remiss if I don't finish this conversation without asking how have you weaved spam into <gasps> the beginning of your school year or what have you oh, what's your most recent spam reference for everyone
1: oh my goodness <laughs> oh my goodness that's okay here we are well I'm currently drinking from a spam water bottle and I happened to take my spam bag down to the Iowa Hawkeye game the other weekend against the Gophers and Friday oh. night, I'll be at the Spam Museum because our middle schoolers will be there. Um, we have a community event right before uh, um, to kick off the holiday season. So I'll be out there and they actually have Spam cookies there and they're really good.
0: Spam cookies. All right. There's a new one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Jessica, you make me smile. I, I, I hope everyone else you're smiling with me because uh, it's... Uh, Jessica is definitely. If you if you are not um, following Jessica on Twitter, make sure you do. Are you at Jessica Kabin?
1: Yes, I am. Twitter and Instagram, and then I do have a Facebook page too.
0: Yeah. Awesome, and her new book is Unconventional Leadership. It's out now on Amazon. Uh, the link will be sent out um, as well, but uh, you can find it Unconventional Leadership by Jessica Kabin, um, principal at at Ellis Middle School. MESPA forever. We love having you here and we are so grateful that you were on the podcast with us, Jessica. I can't thank you enough for your time.
1: Oh my gosh, it was an honor. And like I said, this has been a really fun one to be listening to. So I'm excited about the future guests you're going to have on hand. Oh yeah, and we're already
0: setting them up. And uh, so, Jessica, thank you so much. And uh, all of our principals out there, thanks for listening. And uh, this has been the MESPA Principal Cast. And I'm at Brett Dom, B R E T D O M, at Twitter. Have a great day. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Maspa Principal Cast. For more information about the Minnesota Elementary School Principals Association, visit
0: maspa.net.